Book Three, Chapter Two of One of Ours. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. One of Ours by Willie Cather, Chapter Two. After Leonard left him, Claude cleared away the remains of his supper and watered the gourd vine before he went to milk. It was not really a gourd vine at all, but a summer squash of the crook-necked, warty, orange-colored variety, and it was now full of ripe squashes, hanging by strong stems among the rough green leaves and prickly tendrils. Claude had watched its rapid growth and the opening of its splotchy yellow blossoms, feeling grateful to a thing that did so lustily what it was put there to do. He had the same feeling for his little Jersey cow, which came home every night with full udders and gave down her milk willingly, keeping her tail out of his face as only a well-disposed cow will do. His milking done, he sat down on the front porch and lit a cigar. While he smoked, he did not think about anything but the quiet and the slow cooling of the atmosphere, and how good it was to sit still. The moon swam up over the bare wheat fields, big and magical, like a great flower. Presently he got some bath towels, went across the yard to the windmill, took off his clothes, and stepped into the tin horse tank. The water had been warmed by the sun all afternoon, and was not much cooler than his body. He stretched himself out in it, and resting his head on the metal rim, lay on his back, looking up at the moon. The sky was a midnight blue, like warm, deep blue water, and the moon seemed to lie on it like a water-lily, floating forward with an invisible current. One expected to see its great petals open. For some reason Claude began to think about the far-off times and countries it had shone upon. He never thought of the sun as coming from distant lands, or as having taken part in human life in other ages. To him the sun rotated about the wheat-fields, but the moon, somehow, came out of the historic past and made him think of Egypt and the pharaohs, Babylon and the hanging gardens. She seemed particularly to have looked down upon the follies and disappointments of men, into the slaves' quarters of old times into prison-windows, and into fortresses where captives languished. Inside of living people, too, captives languished. Yes, inside of people who walked and worked in the broad sun, there were captives dwelling in darkness, never seen from birth to death. Into those prisons the moon shone, and the prisoners crept to the windows and looked out with mournful eyes at the white globe which betrayed no secrets and comprehended all. Perhaps even in people like Mrs. Royce and his brother Bayliss there was something of this sort, but that was a shuddery thought. He dismissed it with a quick movement of his hand through the water, which, disturbed, caught the light and played black and gold, like something alive over his chest. In his own mother the imprisoned spirit was almost more present to people than her corporeal self. He had so often felt it when he sat with her on summer nights like this. Mahaley, too, had one, though the walls of her prison were so thick. And Gladys Farmer. Oh, yes, how much Gladys must have to tell this perfect confidant. The people whose hearts were set high needed such intercourse. 
whose wish was so beautiful that there were no experiences in this world to satisfy it. And these children of the moon, with their unappeased longings and futile dreams, were a finer race than the children of the sun. This conception flooded the boy's heart like a second moonrise, flowed through him indefinite and strong, while he lay deathly still for fear of losing it. At last the black cubical object which had caught Leonard Dawson's wrathful eye came rolling along the high road. Claude snatched up his clothes and towels, and without waiting to make use of either, he ran, a white man, across a bare white yard. Gaining the shelter of the house, he found his bathrobe and fled to the upper porch, where he lay down in the hammock. Presently he heard his name called, pronounced as if it were spelled Claude. His wife came up the stairs and looked out at him. He lay motionless, with his eyes closed. She went away. When all was quiet again, he looked off at the still country and the moon in the dark indigo sky. His revelation still possessed him, making his whole body sensitive, like a tightly strung bow. In the morning he had forgotten, or was ashamed of what had seemed so true and so entirely his own the night before. He agreed, for the most part, that it was better not to think about such things, and when he could, he avoided thinking. End of Book 3 Chapter 2 Recording by Tom Weiss